Mind was a prison, ruby lined, in its lipstick noir, everything woman. I was expected to be trapped between papered walls. What they said to do, I did not, but only levitated at the burning. The body a water in which I drowned, the life a windshield dirty with love. What they said to think, I thought not, but instead made my mind into a birdcage with wings. Melissa stuttered. Everyone in me is a bird. We are angled from the front of the boat on Lena and Shepard. Around them is water and trees, and here and there you can see white dangling flowers growing on detritus in the water. Snowflakes. Shepard just asked Lena where she learned to shoot. The script says Lena looks round, prepares to get her internal story straight. Her scripted answer obfuscates more than her answer in the film. In the script, she answers... My husband was military. We used to go hunting together in Pennsylvania. Deer. Lena continues to paddle, putting more effort into it than Shepard. In the film, she is more open with her answer. Lena. I was in the military before I was an academic. Shepard. Marines? Lena. Army. Seven years. She rests her paddle momentarily. Lena. Continued. Feels like a lifetime ago now. Shepard. Yeah. Lena starts to paddle again. Shepard. Continued. All of their lives feel like a lifetime ago. We were kids. I was married. Second 18 cut too close on Lena at left of frame. Shepard blurry behind her right at the right edge of frame. Shepard. Sort of off screen. Continued. Which do you carry around your neck? A husband or a child? Lena does not think long on her answer. Lena. Husband. He was in the army too. That's that's how how we we met. met. Second 29 cut to close on Shepard. She caught that. Shepard was in the army. army? In the script, Lena answers before Shepard's follow-up. Lena, yeah. In the film, Shepard does not hesitate. Shepard, he quit. Second 32, we are back on Lena, close. The script delays. Lena, no. Lena hesitates. Doesn't want to lie to Shepard, but does. And in the script and the film, Lena continued. K.I.A. It's almost the truth, the script says. Second 35, close on Shepard again. Shepard, sorry to hear that. She looks at the water, her eyes betraying her. There's something she does not want to think on from her lifetime ago. Feet. Second 39, angle on both women from front of boat again. Interestingly, and maybe coincidentally, the paddling is in sync now. Shepard, continued. Guess there had to be something. They seem to hesitate paddling together, but Lena goes right back to it. Lena, what do you mean? Shepard exhales and returns to paddling. And finally, one of those trees with the cancerous growths comes into frame on the right. It's flowers, white, and green, and teal, and gray. Shepard, volunteering for this. It's not exactly something you do if your life is in. Shepard looks at Lena. Shepard, continued. Perfect harmony. Another cancerous tree comes into frame on the right. Beat. Shepard nods toward the other boat. Shepard, continued. We're all damaged goods here. Second 57, angle from behind branches, across the pond, on the other boat. Ventress at the bow, her head on one hand, looking almost bored. Raddock in the middle seat, paddling. Thorinson at the rear, paddling. Scripted, Shepard uses last names. Thorinson is teetotal. Except, Shepard is not military. In the film, 
She uses first names. Anya is sober. Therefore, an ad. She's cut off mid word. But let us drift back into the novel before time runs out for this minute. Quote, we could not intuit its full outline. We had no sense of its purpose. And now that we had begun to descend into it, the tower still failed to reveal any hint of these things. The psychologist might recite the measurements of the top of the tower, but those numbers meant nothing, had no wider context. Without context, clinging to those numbers was a form of madness. There is a regularity to the circle seen from the inside walls that suggests precision in the creation of the building, the anthropologist said. The building. Already she had begun to abandon the idea of it being a tunnel. You have to look with better eyes than that. All of my thoughts came spilling out of my mouth, some final discharge from the state that had overtaken me above. But what is its purpose? And is it believable that it would not be on the maps? Could one of the prior expeditions have built it and hidden it? I asked all of this and more, not expecting any answer. Not expecting an answer. Even though no threat had revealed itself, it seemed important to eliminate any possible moment of silence. As if somehow the blankness of the walls fed off of silence, and that something might appear in the spaces between our words if we were not careful. Had I expressed this anxiety to the psychologist, she would have been worried, I know. But I was more attuned to solitude than any of us, and I would have characterized that place in that moment of our exploration as watchful. A gasp from the surveyor cut me off in mid-question, no doubt much to the anthropologist's relief. Look, the surveyor said, training her flashlight down into the archway. We hurried over and stared past her, adding our own illumination. A stairway did indeed lead down this time at a gentle curve with much broader steps, but still made of the same materials. Who knows where it's been? And what it's brought back. At about shoulder height, perhaps five feet high, clinging to the inner wall of the tower, I saw what I first took to be dimly sparkling green vines progressing down into the darkness. I had a sudden absurd memory of the floral wallpaper treatment that had lined the bathroom of my house when I had shared it with my husband. Then as I stared, the vines resolved further, and I saw that they were words, in cursive, the letters raised about six inches off the wall. Hold the light, I said, and pushed past them down the first few steps. Blood was rushing through my head again, a roaring confusion in my ears. It was an act of supreme control to walk those few paces. I couldn't tell you what impulse drove me except that I was the biologist, and this looked oddly organic. If the linguist had been there, perhaps I would have deferred to her. Don't touch it, whatever it is, the anthropologist warned. Go on, lean in. I nodded, but I was too enthralled with the discovery. If I'd had the impulse to touch the words on the wall, I would not have been able to stop myself. As I came closer, did it surprise me that I could understand the language the words were written in? Yes. Did it fill me with a kind of elation and dread intertwined? Yes. I tried to suppress the thousand new questions rising up inside of me. In as calm a voice as I could manage, aware of the importance of that moment, I read from the beginning aloud, Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that... Because we are food for worms, lads. Then the darkness took it. Words? Words? The anthropologist said, Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? 
I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives, while from the dim-lit halls of other places forms that never could be writhe for the impatience of the few who have never seen or been seen. In the black water with the sun shining at midnight, those fruits shall come ripe, and in the darkness of that which is golden shall split open to reveal the revelation of the fatal softness in the earth. The shadows of the abyss are like the petals of a monstrous flower that shall blossom within the skull and expand the mind beyond what any man can bear. But whether it decays under the earth, or above on green fields, or out to sea, or in the very air, all shall come to revelation and to revel in the knowledge of the strangling fruit, and the hand of the sinner shall rejoice. For there is no sin in shadow or in light that the seeds of the dead cannot forgive. There shall be in the planting in the shadows a grace and a mercy that shall bloom dark flowers, and their teeth shall devour and sustain and herald the passing of an age. That which dies shall still know life in death for all that decays is not forgotten, and reanimated shall walk the world in a bliss of not knowing. Words? Words? The anthropologist said. Yes, words. What are they made of? The surveyor asked. Did they need to be made of anything? The illumination cast on the continuing sentence quavered and shook. Where lies the strangling fruit became bathed in shadow and in light as if a battle raged for its meaning. Give me a moment, I need to get closer. When somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it? Did I? Yes, I needed to get closer. What are they made of? I hadn't even thought of this, though I should have. I was still trying to parse the lingual meaning had not transitioned to the idea of taking a physical sample. But what relief at the question, because it helped me fight the compulsion to keep reading, to descend into the greater darkness and keep descending until I had read all there was to read. Already those initial phrases were infiltrating my mind in unexpected ways, finding fertile ground. So I stepped closer, peered at where lies the strangling fruit. I saw that the letters, connected by their cursive script, were made from what would have looked to the layperson like rich green fern-like moss, but in fact was probably a type of fungi or other eukaryotic organism. The curling filaments were all packed very close together and rising out from the wall. A loamy smell came from the words along with an underlying hint of rotting honey. This miniature forest swayed, almost imperceptibly, like sea grass in a gentle ocean current. Other things existed in this miniature ecosystem, half hidden by the green filaments, most of these creatures were translucent and shaped like tiny hands embedded by the base of the palm. Golden nodules capped the fingers on these hands. I leaned in closer, like a fool, like someone who had not had months of survival training or ever studied biology. Someone tricked into thinking that words should be read. I was unlucky, or was I lucky? Triggered by a disturbance in the flow of air, a nodule in the W chose that moment to burst open and a tiny spray of golden spores spewed out. I pulled back, but I thought I had felt something enter my nose. I experienced a pinprick of escalation and the smell of rotting honey. Unnerved, I stepped back even farther, borrowing some of the surveyor's best curses, but only in my head. My natural instinct was always for concealment. Already, I was imagining the psychologist's reaction to my contamination, if revealed to the group. Some sort of fungi, I said finally, taking a deep breath so I could control my voice. The letters are made from fruiting bodies. Who knew if it were actually true? It was just the closest thing to an answer. End quote. The time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordless.
Thank you. 